Hey, welcome to the C3 Auckland podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, head to c3church.org.nz. We hope you enjoy this message. Tonight, I want to encourage us around the biblical theme of generosity. Can you remember a time where uh, someone did something for you that went absolutely above and beyond over your expectations? Maybe you got shouted lunch or tickets to the rugby or perhaps someone bought you an all expenses paid holiday. I mean, that's awesome if that was you. Uh, but, you know, I remember a time where we got shouted uh, dinner uh, one time. It was an amazing experience, you know, where someone said, hey, go to this amazing restaurant. It was when we, me, and, me and my wife, Estelle, we just got engaged and someone said, hey, I want to pay for you guys to go and eat at one of the best restaurants in Auckland. Just just buy what you want. And it was an incredible, incredible evening. Uh, and I remembered it because I thought, man, how awesome is that that someone would take that time uh, to, to pay for us to go out and to, yeah, to celebrate this amazing night. And, and it was just completely paid for. It was an amazing thing. Or perhaps it was something that somebody did for you. They came over, they mowed your lawns or they chopped some firewood for you or helped you finish building your deck. I'm sure we can all appreciate being on the receiving end of generosity. I mean, you know, it's great getting a free lunch or a free labour or a free trip. Uh, but I think what makes it really special is knowing that there's someone out there who cares enough about you uh, to either spend some of their time or their hard-earned money on you without any concern for themselves. Do you know what's funny though, is that when you, when you talk to people who make it a habit of being generous with their money, with their time or with their skills, it often seems like they're the ones that are getting the most out of it. It just seems to be the way though, isn't it? That, you know, when you give someone, uh, give something to someone else without expecting to get anything in return, I reckon it does something inside of you. It's, it's amazing how it can change your, your way of thinking. After a while, it becomes a habit and then it becomes a lifestyle. And then after that, for some people, it becomes addictive. Uh, it's true. I think most of the most the generous people that I've ever met over the years just can't seem to help themselves. They just can't not give. Uh, two of the most generous people that I know are my parents. Uh, the, I think the best way to learn something is have it modelled to you over the course of a lifetime, uh, which is what they've done. And that's a good encouragement for all the parents out there is to be teaching your kids modelling the kind of lives that they should have. And, you know, just because I grew up with generous parents it didn't mean that I got everything that I wanted. I wasn't spoiled. In fact, we lived a rather um, simple life, uh, but we had everything that we needed. And they, they were both really hard workers. They managed their money well. And they taught us to do the same. They taught us to be generous. For them, it was a lifestyle. You know, it was always about supporting, um, you know, the church through, through uh, finance or service, helping, you know, make meals for other people, helping others in any practical way that they could. Uh, they were very involved in supporting work over in East Africa, um, you know, causing schools to be built in nations like Tanzania, Kenya and Uganda, letting families who have been through a really rough time or who just needed a break use their amazing house down in the Coromandel or just looking after, um, you know, mine and my wife's kids. Uh, that was, that's amazingly generous if you know my kids. But over for the course of my life, their way of life have helped me and many others. But I honestly think they just do it because they get a kick out of it. That's what I truly believe. They've so programmed themselves to be generous that it's like they don't know how to operate in any other way. And I'm sure that all of us here, I'm sure you can think of an example in your own life of someone who is exceedingly generous. Who's that person that doesn't think twice about helping you when you need it? Who's that person that is more than happy to cook 10 other meals during the week, even when they've got like six other kids to feed in their own household? Um, you know, who's that person that's always sneakily shouting dinner after church when nobody else notices? Who's that person that always goes above and beyond to meet a need in the community? These people may not even be Christians. Uh, not every person who is a Christian by default 
has the attitude of generosity as well. But that is the attitude that the Bible clearly teaches that God wants us to have, an attitude of generosity. And we can see this attitude right throughout the Bible. Uh, we see it uh, when David is dedicating the temple and he, sorry, he dedicates um, close to a billion dollars for the building of the temple. He hasn't built it yet. Uh, and he, he, he says this in First Chronicles 29, 14. He says, Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, God, and we have given you only what has come from your hand. We see it again in the service and the life of the Apostle Paul, who gave many of his years, many of his, um, his best years to, to the life of Christian service, to mission, to church planning and to evangelism. We see these, his words in Acts 20, 35. He says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. We also see it in the Corinthian church when they were taking up an offering to support the believers in the city of Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians 9, 12 to 13 says, This service that you perform is not only supplying the seed, the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everybody else. But ultimately, Ultimately, we see it in God sending His Son, Jesus. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave, He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This reminds us that love is the biggest motivator for generosity. And we see that the words by the same apostle who wrote later in 1 John 3, 16 to 18, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. What an amazing word that is. That's where the heart of generosity of our time, service and finance to meet the needs of others should come from. When we take stock of how much has been given to us, the natural outcome is that we would allow generosity to overflow out of our lives. In fact, this whole deal is, is less about giving money and an offering. It's, it's far more about where your heart is at. When you know how much has been given to you, the overflow of that will be seen in where you spend your time, where you spend your money, where you spend and you give your, your affections and your finance and all of these things. This is, this is where the overflow will direct um, the things that are important to you. And this will, be mean that you're, this will mean that you're able to be authentically generous, not expecting anything in return, but being generous simply to be generous. To look more closely at this kind of generous attitude in the time that we have left, let's look at Proverbs 11, 24 to 26 and see what these amazing words have to say. And again, I'm not talking so much about uh, giving and money. I'm talking about more about where our hearts are at. Chapter 11 says this, verse 24. One person gives freely, it gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Now I've got three short observations about the attitude of generosity from these verses and the time that we have left. The first one is this, true generosity always has enough so that it can give more. 
See, in the first line of verse 24, in the New King James translation, it says, there is one who scatters. And it's talking about a farmer sowing the seed. This is the picture that we're seeing here from this proverb. If you sow lots of seed, you get lots of crops. If you sow little seed, you don't get much crops. Now, if I've, um, you know, if I've gone, gone home and I need to, to, um, to clear my lawn, I wanna, I wanna get rid of all the weeds and all the scrub that's kind of taken over, and I wanna re-sow it, I wanna get a beautiful looking lawn, uh, I could easily go to Bunnings and buy half the seed I need to save money, but I'm only gonna get half a lawn, aren't I? Uh, and it's gonna you know, be filled up again with weeds before long. In 1 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8, it says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Again, this should be applied to our whole lives. This speaks in our, about our time and our service just as much as it does about our finances and our giving. Verse 25 of Proverbs 11 talks about prosperity. Now that's, that's a bit of a dirty word uh, in Christianity nowadays, which I think is sad because I genuinely, genuinely believe that it's been confused with this idea of selfish living, which is so prevalent in our culture today. I spoke last week about how unfortunately in our world, there seems to be more concern about making ends meet or you know, career paths or property portfolios or how much is in your bank um, rather than pouring us, ourselves out for those that are in need. And I think this whole mindset that, that is so dominant in our culture can affect Christians as well. I don't think it's because there's no desire. I think sadly, many of us have been robbed because we don't know what true prosperity really is. Prosperity really has nothing to do with our income or our lifestyle or how many houses we own or, or what we're driving. True prosperity is about being secure in our source. If we're trusting in all of these other things as our source, are we gonna lack real security because all of these things can fail? As we've seen this year, so many of the, the structures of our world have collapsed uh, and, and people have been left wondering, what have I built my life on? But if our heavenly Father is our source, then we don't need to be afraid. Instead of being a pond where we have to hoard everything for ourselves, our lives become rivers with an inflow from heaven and an outflow into a broken world that's in desperate need of Jesus and the practical solutions that come with knowing Him. It says, whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. The other translations sometimes say, he who waters will also be watered himself. See, when we give, God knows how to supply our needs. We can't water others without being watered ourselves. Jesus told us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. When we operate a lifestyle of Holy Spirit-led generosity, we never end up being the losers. God always supplies what we need so we can continue to be that river, that let that outflow of heaven flow through our lives. And this brings us to our next point. True generosity is about being ready to meet the need at just the right moment. Let's look at that line again. Whoever refreshes others, whoever waters others. Now I know it's winter, but just, just for a moment, think about the hot summer that's gonna be upon us very soon. Think about you know, playing sport all afternoon on a Saturday, or maybe you're out working in your yard and you've been digging holes and 
pulling weeds and cutting down trees. And all of a sudden, somebody amazing turns up with this beautiful, refreshing drink. And you're just like, ah, that was just like the perfect moment you turned up with that drink and you feel refreshed. You're like, yeah, that was awesome. You know, we all know what that, that feeling feels like in that moment. That's what our generosity should do for people. It should bring a moment of refreshing into their lives. Now, Israel is a hot, uh, dry climate. Uh, Water isn't always easy to come by. So this illustration worked extremely well in the days of the writer. Be ready to refresh people wherever you can. Be Holy Spirit led. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 10, 42, uh, and even if you give a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. It's the same principle that we see in Proverbs eleven twenty five. We get refreshed, we get rewarded. But don't think of your reward as just, you know, getting a whole bunch of random money turn up in your bank account. That can happen. God can bless you in those ways. Um, but the true reward, the true real refreshing is the joy that comes with simply being generous knowing that you were able to be the channel that God could use to pour out His love and blessing into the life of somebody that needed it. See, a practical need did get met, but more importantly, you had the opportunity to share the love of God into somebody's life, to live out 1 John 3, 16 to 18, being ready to be generous, being ready to be used by God to meet needs and pour out His love requires us though to be intentional and committed to that lifestyle. Isaiah 32 verse eight says, generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. I love that scripture. You know, when was the last time that you planned to be generous? When was the last time that you set aside time to help your parents or your neighbour or somebody in your community or your church that you know could do with an extra hand? somebody that perhaps you don't even really know or don't even really like, you know, could you plan to maybe give some time to volunteer at our food bank on a Friday to to pack hampers or to deliver these amazing care packages that get delivered around our city? You know, could you dedicate a weekend once a month with your connect group to go and find somebody in the community who just needs a bit of extra support? Maybe they need their gardens done or their lawns mowed or something that you can do to help out. 2 Corinthians 9, 3 to 5, Paul emphasises how important it is to be prepared and intentional in our generosity so that we don't find ourselves in a position where we're not able to help when the moment of need arrives. My third observation, and maybe our uh, keys player could come and join us as we wrap up soon. True generosity gives us an open door to give the most meaningful gift. Verse 26 says, people curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Now that's an interesting little verse there, but there's two attitudes that have been talked about in this moment. There's two attitudes attitudes at play. There's the selfish attitude of the world and the generous attitude of the kingdom. The one that you pick could have an impact on somebody else's eternity. That's really important to remember. Bruce Walt noted on this um, passage, the grain trader uh, had larger stores at his disposal, which he presumably could um, hold back in times of shortage to raise the price. And, and what we see here is the attitude of the grain trader who selfishly refused to sell, hoping to manipulate the market and then gain back um, a much higher price later on. See, selfishness comes from this fallen nature of humanity, which desires to hoard and to manipulate circumstances in order to create our own security. It's driven by fear and it shows a lack of trust in God. A selfish person like that will not only be opposed by God, but will be called out and and the Bible says cursed by people, which is like pretty full on. You don't wanna be that person. One of the most effective ways of shutting down God's channel of love to society is Christians harbouring a selfish or stingy attitude. It completely turns people off around us. 
and, and it, turns, it turns them away from uh, the potential way that they could see God. It affects how they see God. But our God, as we have just seen, is remarkably generous. He is a remarkably generous God. Generosity is in Him by nature. You know, when generosity from God gets into us, our lives create an opportunity for people to see Him inside of us. How good is that? How amazing is that? You know, the one who does good by providing grain and goods for sale will be blessed by the community. And the community around us then start asking, what is it that makes that person different? What is different about that person's life? The way that they live their life is telling me that there's something different going on inside of them. More often than not, it can lead these people to reach out to Jesus. Proverbs 22 verse nine is in the same vein. It says, those who are generous are blessed for they share their bread with the poor. Now bread here represents the essentials that we live on. You could easily replace bread with time or money. Because of our willingness to generously share what we have to live on, we as a church, as a community, all of us can play our part in responding to those that are in need. Practical needs, yes, but also the most important need that every human being has, Jesus. Because it's only through having Him that we truly have life. In order to have Jesus though, we need to have first heard about Jesus. This is why the church exists here in New Zealand, in Cambodia, in Fiji, in Uganda. Yes, the principle stands that when we are generous, we'll be blessed in a material sense so that we can continue to be generous. Jesus' words again, given it will be given to you. But I believe more importantly, we are blessed because we have the opportunity locally and internationally to be part of Christ's plan here on earth, satisfying the most important need in every single human being. Jesus is the bread of life. It's only when we are satisfied by Him that we can have fulfilment in this life and eternity. When we are generous, we are sharing the bread of life that we have found with others. As the well-respected Sri Lankan pastor D.T. Niles once said, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. C3 Church, can I encourage you this evening to remember who we are and what we are doing. We are God's people, His children. And as such, we have the mandate of representing Him to the world that is around us. His heart is generosity. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, to repeat the words again of the Apostle John in 1 John 3.18, if we're gonna show people God's love, let's not just talk about it. Let's do something about it. Can I invite you next Sunday, this week, to prepare yourself and join us next weekend to do something that's gonna show the world the generous heart of our God that's been outworked through us. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more about our church or to find out what's coming up, check out c3church.org.nz.